Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, you supporter of independent music. Thank you for listening to this podcast where I bring on some people talking about their experience of why they play in a band, why they put out music, why they care about this punk, hardcore, indie rock, emo scene so much. The reason I lump that all together is because it's just different branches off the same tree. I personally have a uh, pretty wide-ranging taste, as you probably have noticed (laughs) within the context of this podcast, and I know many of you are also the same, as long as it's connected to that independent beat that goes throughout all this. This is another awesome live episode. I have Cat Moss from Scal and Anaya and Dez from Zulu. Amazing bands. Both of them are on the come up, as they say. They're getting a lot of uh, press attention, and people are really, really turning their heads to see, first of all, what new music is going to come out from them, what tours they're doing. And I was very privileged and honored to have them on stage at Outbreak Festival over in the United Kingdom in Manchester back in, uh, say, June, July, something. So, yeah, I can't even remember the dates. It all falls into each other. But uh, back in 2022, whenever you're listening to this, currently this episode is in 2022, but uh, was able to have a discussion with both of them. And I loved it. They uh, were both very engaging conversations, were able to dig into what it is that obviously makes them tick, why they care about this style of music. And uh, it was cool because Kat uh, kind of got thrown <laughs> into this uh, interview uh, a little bit later in the game because she was supposed to be having a discussion with um, actually her manager. <laughs> and then he unfortunately got sick with COVID. And um, yeah, so then I, I pitched in and it was great because I had Kat on the podcast before. And then um, 
Anaya and Dez, I was very excited to have a conversation with because I had never had them on the podcast. I've known Dez for 10 plus years, just, uh, you know, throughout the scene, him putting on shows and stuff like that. But uh, Anaya, I had never met beyond just uh, interacting with his band's music and listening to other interviews of his, but super fun really engaging conversations, and uh, I'm excited to share those with you. So first of all, if you want to support the show, you can always reach out to me at 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Love to get that sort of feedback. I get very interesting um, <laughs> conversations that start there. People from all over the world, whether it's, uh, you know, Europe, whether it's, uh, you know, I started, get, I got an email from someone in the Czech Republic. It's very fun to have these discussions with people from across the world. And then also, if you want to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that is free. It takes maybe 30 seconds of your time. I would really appreciate that. And if you want to leave a rating on Spotify, if you listen to the podcast via there, would very much appreciate it. All helps out that great beast that is called the algorithm. And then uh, also just support the advertisers in the show because they come to this show. They knock on my door and say, hey, I would like to run ads in your particular podcast. And when you use promo codes or visit the website and just you know interact with these brands in general, I, I, when you hear my voice advocating for a brand, that means I personally support this and I'm very excited to tell you about it. So that is how this whole thing kind of works in tandem with one another. I'm not asking you to support a Patreon. I'm not asking you to do anything of the sort. So anyways, that's just a little PSA at that point. But let's go to both of my conversations. You'll hear Kat Moss from Scal first, and then you'll hear a little setup in regards to Anaya and Dez from Zulu. And uh, yeah, then we're off and running. Another great live podcast, live from Outbreak Festival in the United Kingdom. So here is Kat. You were able to uh, compose yourself right after you played. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I have to talk into the mic, not yell. Yeah, I mean, right. you can't, yeah, it's, it's ideal <laughs> if you talk into the mic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I appreciate you doing this because you did not need to, but you did, and that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. We, um, we spoke, honestly, not too long ago on the, this very podcast in a in a non-in-person scenario. Um, yes. And I, first of all, your, the fact that it sounded like your travel over here was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a challenge. It was a mission. Right. So you, I mean, tell, tell me a little bit about the challenges of the travel. Um, so leading up, like a couple weeks before our flights left, um, we were on tour um, we've been on tour for probably the past two or three months. Yes, you have. <laughs> it's been a lot, but that's been in the U.S., and we were gearing up to hit Europe and the U.K. for the first time. So this is our first time playing here in Great Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm, it, sure you. I'm sure that's a sentence you never thought you would say. No. <laughs> I, I really thought it would just be small rooms in Santa Cruz the whole time that I played in a band. So this is nuts. I really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, leading up, we were just getting ready, and I, was, I got a notice that our f- flight, one of our connections was canceled, and I dealt with that. And then the night before our flights left, like two or three nights ago, um, found out more flights were canceled, or tickets were canceled, and so on and so forth. Uh, many rescheduled tickets and cancellations later, we are at the airport with no flights 
Um, and I turn around to see a mob of people running out of the terminal. And my heart sinks. We're in LAX, and I got kind of scared. Um, <laughs> turns out there was a bomb threat in an LAX. <laughs> Everything was fine. We came back to the airport after evacuating two hours later. Um, caught a last-minute flight. Made it here, or landed in Berlin. With no guitars. <laughs> so, we've been winging it. Right, just yeah. asking to borrow equipment and... Fortunately, we live in a scene in which people will be able to help you out with that. Thank God. Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah, because it's not like you could show up to the first day of the Limp Biscuit tour you were on and say, hey, guy, hey, Wes Borland, could we borrow your guitar, bro? We wouldn't even know how to use it. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Have you seen his pedal board? I honestly, I mean, no, I have not. It's the size of your couch. It's massive. It's awesome. Right. But... Insane. Right. Not, you would not know what to do with it. I would just step on it a couple <laughs> times and hope it sounded cool. Right. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, you have done, I mean, the Limp Bizkit tour was already such an interesting experience for the fact that, you know, in, on multiple legs of that tour, hardcore bands were playing. Yeah. And then you went right from that tour to the Destroy Boys tour, yes. which could not be more polar opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, talk to me about how those two different experiences of playing to such different crowds. Um, it was really, really cool, actually. I set my expectations extremely low because I didn't want to get my hopes up to play in front of a crowd of Limp Bizkit fans and have them like us. But... They did. They really did. And I was very surprised. In, in the beginning of the sets, sometimes there'd be people leaning on the barricade like, okay. And then by the end of the set, they were like, this is fucking cool, you know? Yeah, so yeah. that was awesome. And we, we did better than expected and got to hang out with everyone on the tour. And everyone was so cool and nice and welcoming, which I didn't want to expect anyone to spend time with me or my band were a pain in the ass. So, um, and then going on to Destroy Boys, which is this incredible, like, punk alternative band that attracts, like, really young teen, like, femme, non-binary fans, which is fucking awesome. Um, I've never experienced such loud, screaming, grabby, excited crowds. Okay. Um, playing those shows were so cool. Most of them were, like, Destroy Boys is a, a really big band for their audience, and they sold out practically every show. So it was really cool to play those shows. And a lot of people didn't know us. A lot of young people came up to me after our sets and would tell me it was their first time, their first punk show, or their first time seeing a hardcore band, or their first show ever. And that was a really cool feeling. Yeah. Well, especially too, where you were because you were probably the most aggressive thing they had ever seen. Yeah. It's like, you got green hair, she's in a red <laughs> dress yelling at me. This is insane. I don't even know what to yeah. do with it. Most people don't anyways, so I don't. I, I black out when I play, so I don't know what's going on. Right, right. That's good. That we, you, can't, you can't think about it too much because you're just yeah. off. I lose my mind otherwise. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> then you would just probably sit... Crisscross applesauce yeah. on stage, and that's it. I'd throw up. Right. It would be bad. It would be messy. <laughs> the, um, the thing that 
I personally have observed here at the festival and kind of in America as well, like hardcore seems to be on a real upswing. It's insane. It's like, really cool. Right. Like more and more people are paying attention to it that m- either are obviously just getting into it or have come back. And are you, I mean, uh, Scal is obviously a relatively young band. Yeah. But are you guys thinking about it in terms of like, okay, we would like to experiment not with different sounds where you're going to be like, oh yeah, now we're going to be a space rock band on the next record or whatever. (laughs) But are you thinking about it in those terms where it's like, we don't want to be too much of a, you know, kind of same, samey hardcore band? We definitely want to mix it up and we have a lot of, uh, a wide variety of influences as, as a band, we all really appreciate a lot of different types of music and we want to incorporate that in music. Um, I'm a huge, I mean, I'm a huge pop music fan, to be honest. Um, I love Billie Eilish. No shame in that game. <laughs> um, but I also love hardcore, and so I'm, I'm very interested in testing myself as an artist and musician, and a relatively new musician, to see how I can cross these different styles of music. I'm a, like, my favorite band is Sonic Youth. But I also love hardcore. And in certain ways, they have hardcore moments. They have breakdowns and things like that. But in a much more creative, artsy way. Um, And I'm just really willing to try that out. Um, And I feel like with Scowl, we've opened up a lot of possibilities. But I still want to keep it hardcore. Right. Because that's the point. You know? (laughs) Because that's who we are, right? Exactly. Yeah, and kind of on that same tip... Would you ever feel comfortable singing? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I th- I'm figuring it out still. It's kind of scary to sing into a microphone in front of everyone versus yelling, um, which is so silly to say out loud, but it's intimidating hearing your voice in um, not like in your bedroom or your shower or your car or whatever, you know? Um, and I'm not like a super classically trained singer, so... I'm not, like, good, but I can still try. Sure. You get an A for effort. It's got to be punk, you know? Right, right, right. The, um, this is a very random and weird question, but obviously your outfits are very deliberate, very chosen. How the hell do you pack for tour? <laughs> um, my band wanted to kill me, actually, because my bag, by the end of the last two months in the U.S., probably weighed, like, 100 pounds. I had so much clothes. Um, and it wasn't just that I brought so much. It's that I also accumulated so much because um, I have a problem. And I really like to shop. Um, and then there was also... I had a lot of friends across the U.S., like, giving me stuff, donating stuff to me for some godforsaken reason. I don't need more clothes. But I'll take more. Um, I just like it. And I get very tired of wearing the same thing. So it, it's hard to play, a tour, like to tour for two months and have, and, and to n- avoid repeating an outfit. But I have a hard time with that. So I don't know. No, because it's funny. I, in a lot of these conversations I've been having over the weekend, I've asked what people have done to make their tour life more comfortable. Yeah. Every single person is like, just pack hardly anything. Yeah. And that doesn't work for you. It's really hard for me because (laughs) 
part of tour for me is like how I present myself and I take a lot of pride in it and I really enjoy it and I think there's a lot of people male, female, whatever who like take a lot of pride in, in how they present themselves and for me like I wouldn't feel confident on stage without like knowing I, I prepared and did my hair and my makeup and my outfit and I know that sounds silly but it's just my thing. It's, it's part of the, I mean, honestly, it's part of the presentation. And I think why people are obviously attracted to the band because it not only does it look different in stark contrast to, you know, dudes in t shirts, like I am one of them. But I mean, I also, <laughs> I care about the t shirts I yeah, wear. Exactly. I legit, yeah, I legitimately was like, all right, I got to wear a shirt that isn't similar yeah. to everybody else. Exactly. But that's so dumb. I, it's, it's okay though, you know? Like, we, we can like dumb things. Yes. And I'm never judgmental of that, like right. for anyone else. So. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, the and I, I guess on that same tip is like the preservation of the outfits because like most <laughs> most you know you play you sweat you smell. Is it one of those things where you just kind of put it off and are like, okay, I'm gonna wear this two nights in a row and that's it? Um. I, I mean, I wash my clothes as much as I can on tour. If there's, you know, facilities to do so at a venue or a place we stay. Um, if not, then it goes in a laundry bag and I hide it from the rest of the world and hope nobody ever smells it because it's really bad. Um, my boots, I've... These things are very toxic. Um, I put laundry... Um, uh, dryer sheets they smell really good i put them in the boots that's my tip so that they don't stink on tour oh so you just toss the dryer sheet in, in my boot yeah and that's then impressive. i toss it in the van and wow. hope for the best okay <laughs> and like, then hopefully my foot doesn't yeah. fall off at some point yeah um <laughs> i will say not everything i own holds up i had a heel break in the middle of our set a couple weeks ago actually and I was just walking around with no heel on a pair of boots that I love dearly, but they weren't made very well. But right. that's just how it is. Right. And I, I apologize for drilling so far into your fashion, but at <laughs> the same okay. time, like that's, I think that, I mean. I can talk about that for a while. Right, right. So yeah, hopefully you guys have four hours. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, um, the idea of, you know, how Scal is approaching the business side of things, like how you guys are kind of, you know, moving forward, either whether it's like working with different record labels, yeah. you know, working with booking agents, all that sort of stuff, because a lot of that has obviously fallen on, you know, you yeah. and then you have management now. How, how are you guys kind of handling the business side of things now? We're figuring it out. We're very new to it. So it's, it's a really touch and go process. And it feels really weird because we've always been DIY. We've always been booking our own tours, booking shows for other bands, crashing on couches and floors, like never had to have anyone do anything for us besides ourselves. And we took a lot of pride in that. And I think that's very important for a punk and hardcore band. That's part of the subculture. But when you get to a certain point where you're very busy, it gets really, really overwhelming. And there are people who really want to help you out. And I can't appreciate those people enough now um but like a couple years ago if i would have told myself like oh yeah you have a booking agent and a manager i would have been like well you're a poser like you're not punk what the fuck like but it just 
changes when your perspective changes and you get really busy and even getting up in the morning is hard sometimes. So like having someone there to help you figure the other stuff out is extremely valuable. Right. And especially too, where it's like if people that you are working with are people you trust and yes. understand where you're coming from. Yes. Cause I think that a lot of people have this conception of management being like, I'm going to pull the strings for you. And yeah. like, I'm going to force you. Like now you're going to wear a burlap sack. Cat. Like, <laughs> and you're like, no, I don't want to do that. It's yeah. like, no, that's the manager said that, but that, that doesn't happen unless you, you know, you just blindly trust people. I think there's definitely been people who there's always going to be people reaching out wanting more from you than they're, they're like, like a wolf in sheep's clothing. May, may you will. They're, they're trying, I mean, they they see that there's maybe an opportunity to capitalize on whatever success you have. I don't know why they would, but sure. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're like, this is a pass straight down. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but it's really cool when it's like, also punks uh, also people who've played in bands and been around and they've just they've already done uh, quite a few tours in Europe or they've already done a lot of work with bands that are also hardcore bands and you know you can trust them and they have your back and they just want the best for you and that's a really cool feeling because I didn't think that would happen yeah no which is special (laughs) it's awesome yeah uh, I would be remiss because I think it's a requirement of every interview that gets done with you to talk about the Bay Area. Yes. And obviously the explosion yes. of every Bay I Like someone I was talking to yesterday, they're like, hey, tomorrow is like your day in California. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> um, it, it, do you think it's just one of those things because you, everybody has kind of lifted each other up? and shared band members and been so sort of incestuous or is it just because everybody is kind of like doing their own thing? I think it's the first one. Um, Everyone has just worked with each other and helped each other out and scratched each other's backs for so long in California. Since I came into the scene, it was like people from Southern California all the way up to the northernmost parts of California. We booked each other's shows and we would let each other crash and other's couches and floors and you know really supported each other like really rode hard for each other and particularly in the bay it was just like such intense pride and I've never experienced something like that like I didn't play sports as a kid I didn't do like you know I just it was really um crazy it was like enamoring like it was really cool and I, I think it's just because we've worked so hard for each other and we like, I mean, I remember Drain's first set at Sound of Fury, like the year before Sound of Fury, we, um, or the previous Sound of Fury, we rallied. We like kept bothering them on social media, like Drain, Sound of Fury, Drain, Sound of Fury, Drain, Sound of Fury. And they didn't put them on that year's Sound of Fury, <laughs> but it worked because the next year it was like Drain exploded. That was like their biggest set at the time. And we came out wearing like custom like shirts for drain like it was like drain dance team it was next level and it was really really cool it it can't and it honestly it's it's funny you say that because there are distinct moments in my brain especially at a fest where i mean yeah. i remember seeing that drain set because everyone was doing their boogie boards yes and which we brought of course <laughs> and the beach balls and everyone was just like yeah. oh this is really cool yeah and when that there's that rallying around the mm-hmm. idea of a scene like now we live in in the era of the internet where yes. 
it doesn't matter where you are that you can play in a band together and to have that sort of regional pride like you guys have yeah. is something unique. I think I think it's really special because like you said, yeah, like regional music isn't as much of a thing anymore. So having like a scene have so much pride and like honestly like a team effort is is like from the outside at least when I started getting into the the Bay Area hardcore scene, it felt like I wanted to join this club, you know? So I feel like it's just grown to this incredible thing and I want everyone to join the club. <laughs> Perfect note to end on. Kat, thank you very much. Everybody thank give you. it up for Kat. <laughs> thank you. Our fine friends at rockabilia.com want you to save money in purchasing all of the possible online merch items you could shake a stick at and use this promo code 100 words or less. That will get you 10% off your entire order. And they are a purveyor of officially licensed merch from bands from all all genres of music. I don't care whether it's metal, rock, rap, hip hop. I don't care what it is. You'll find something there. They all officially license the merch directly from the bands. So the bands get paid. They ship it out to you fast and they are awesome, awesome people. I love working with them. So again, rockabilly.com, find all the merch items you possibly could want from every band from Metallica to Misfits. There's a bunch of other bands in between there, but you get the point. Rockabilly.com, 100 words or less. We'll get you 10% off your order. Enjoy it. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. So there we go. That was Kat, and loved that conversation. And like I said... Anaya and Des from Zulu are up now. I figured this was a great pairing, both young and upcoming bands capturing a lot of people's attention. And I figured let's throw them together and have fun. So here we go. Here is Anaya and Des from Zulu. I love to continue to work with the awesome company called Evil Greed. They are a Berlin, Germany based merchandise company and mail order. First of all, they want to give you 10% off your entire order. Use the promo code 100 words and they ship all over the world. And honestly, in the United States, they ship very, very fast. It's awesome to see it. 
What do they do that is different than other companies? They're a highly curated list of labels and bands that they work with. They don't just welcome in everybody and anybody. They're like, okay, if you like this band, you probably will like you know, 15 other things that we also enjoy. They're kind of like a record label in a way. And they just to give you a little sampling, this is some of the bands that they work with. They work with Sun, Blood Incantation, Nails, Power Trip, Russian Circles, Chelsea Wolf, Emma Ruth Rundle, all previous guests of this show, which is awesome to see. They also work with record labels like Sargent House, Closed Casket Activities, Triple B Records. You get it. Highly curated roster. Go to evilgreed.net and you'll be able to see all of their offerings and use the promo code 100words. That'll get you 10% off your order and they will ship it out to you fast. They The reason they decided to work with this particular podcast, my show, is because they have a lot of people ordering from the United States. So I dare you. I dare you to go to that website and have fun finding all of your new favorite stuff. So evilgreed.net, 100words is the promo code. And I'm very excited to bring the dudes in Zulu, Anaya and Des, come on to the stage, gentlemen. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. I, I'm not going to lie. That was probably the best reaction. Like, pe- I mean, people clap, but this was like you had a little chant going there. This is perfect. Oh, that was cool. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm not prepared. And yeah. I, I feel like we're doing like a late night show, like bringing you guys on the stage. It feels really weird. But anyways, I appreciate both of you gentlemen because you literally just played 20 minutes ago. Yeah, we just we pulled up about five before the set and then <laughs> oh, that's we good. somehow we made it. Just up. made it in time. Really? Did yes. you have travel issues like everybody? We did. Yeah. We or, did. or just responsibility issues. No, it was travel issues. Okay. We did our part. <laughs> what had happened was uh, we were coming on the ferry, and at customs, it took a little bit longer than we expected. And we missed, the, the, it was at 2 a.m. this morning, so the Got next it. one available was 9.50 that morning. But as we pulled back around, there was one leaving at like 7. 7, okay. right? Yeah, and 7. They were like, all right, we got one more spot. You can come on. And that's if we that's <laughs> had it. that not been the case, we definitely would not have made it for our set and we would have been able to play for everyone. So I'm glad that we did. You, you would have been headlining Outbreak. <laughs> yeah. Stress levels at a thousand. I know. Well, you're, yeah. I, I, there is really nothing more stressful than just like getting to the venue, walking on the stage and be like, hey, hey guys, we're, we're Zulu. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so much for being no, here. We're glad we made it though. The, uh, I, we have not done a formal one-on-one podcast in the past, so this is all fresh for me as far as you. I mean, I've known Des for, we were talking off stage for about 15 some odd years or something. Since 2009. I think so. You really are placing a year on it? I know. I have a memory for those type of things. We've known each other since 2009. Okay. I'm impressed. 2009. All right. Um, but watching Zulu grow out of like literally a one-man you know, like you doing everything to where you are now, where it's like obviously a real band. People pay attention to it. Um, I'm sure it's difficult for you to kind of reflect on that idea of like, yo, here's me jamming in my room to now people are coming out of mosh retirement. It, it, it was because uh, this band was not going to be like a main band. It was just going to be a side band kind of thing. And at the time I had a bunch of other projects and this was more like a passion sure. sort of project. So it was... When it started to gain traction, I was like, wow, this is doing, 
it's doing something. It's, doing, it's, it's pretty cool. And then, it, you know, the, see, to see the progression was just like, oh, like, the, all right, maybe this isn't a side thing. Maybe this is a, a main thing. And I, I'm not used to being a vocalist, so that was why it was kind of a side thing. I was like, well, I play drums in every band. I'll, right. never, I'll never front a band, like, full time. And, no, here I am just running a band, j- running a band full time and just in that band alone. So, it's, no, it's amazing to see... Uh, what it's done for people, and, and people have said some lovely things about our band and what it's done for them, especially pertaining to the black individuals that uh, yeah. follow up the band. But, I, you know. Right, it's just... It, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. It's hard to even put to words because I didn't expect it to have that reaction. I was actually kind of scared how it would uh, be perceived, especially when I was just, like, writing everything at, at first. I was like, oh, man, I... I've never done that, you know? I've never... This is scary. I was like, um, people might not like it. And sure enough, people ended up liking it. And then as we, you know, we got the other members in and then we started to solidify the group and everything. And that's when I was like, all right, well, now I can see the, the strength of this band like, and where it's at. It's, it's amazing, you know what I mean? Right. It feels good. Right. Like, you pushed, you pushed the ball down the court, but other people, obviously, once you started to, like, bring this to a real band level and obviously enlist other members... That's yeah. when it's like, oh, like this is not only just meaningful to myself, but meaningful to the other members, and then the world at large. That exactly, yeah, which is great. Yeah, it's because obviously we share the common experiences, yep. and what we talk about in the band is obviously shared amongst all of us, right? Without being said, but you know, yeah, no, it's it's. Incredible. But I said it, so <laughs> you and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Both of you guys are born and raised in LA, or where did you come up? I'm I'm born and raised in LA. Yeah. I've been in Long Beach since I was very young. I moved okay. from Texas, but I've okay. been there since I was really young. Yeah. Got it. And both of your first exposures to punk and hardcore, how did that get kind of introduced to you? Um, whether it was friends, whether it was you know just television, radio, or whatever. Not like radio is playing hardcore, but you yeah. get the point. Right. Um, for me, like the punk aspect came first. Like in Long Beach, there's a pretty vivid punk scene and uh actually someone i grew up with from like so like the neighborhood i lived in there weren't many white people but sure all the white people there were punks and so my friends from like maybe five years old they got into it when i was around 12 or 13 so i just hung out like i didn't i didn't want to really be into it at first but when it's around you that much it starts to grow on you you know yeah like oh this is pretty cool and then like some of the messages i really dug and then it kind of progressed from there. I got into, like, metal. And then after that, one of my friends made me cancel the date to go see Bitter End oh. and Allegiance. So I canceled the date at, like, 16 or 17 years old. So you canceled a date? Yeah. I That's... canceled the date on the girl, and I went and saw them at Chain Reaction, and it, like, changed everything for me. Uh, the, every, I think either canceling a date or there are people that, you know have an exam the following day where they're like, oh, should I take that test and get an A or should I just like go see Converge because they're, pl- I'm like, I'm going to go see Converge or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. That was a girl I had a crush on since sixth grade and oh. I just bailed on it to go see this band play. <laughs> but it led to this very moment. Yeah. So there you go. It's the, it's the, chain, yeah. the chain of reactions. It's yeah. the literal chain reaction <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the legendary venue chain reaction yeah, yeah. in Anaheim, California. <laughs> exactly. What about yourself? You know, I got really lucky because my dad uh, grew up in, like, the early 80s hardcore scene in L.A. 
So that I, it was from like as long as like, when I was four or five, he was playing that stuff for us. And like he would tell me and my brothers uh, and my sisters like stories about like him getting into fights with like Sueys or like the, you know, there's the LA Def Squad that would be messing stuff up at shows or whatever. He was a part of all that stuff. So luckily um, he introduced that really early on and so, so I was, was like he, was he was he actually going to the shows obviously as a fan and super yeah. engaged with the scene yeah yeah he was just a showgoer and then he eventually started to work for Golden Voice at the time like during the, when they were still putting on hardcore shows right right in LA so when they were doing shows at like the Olympic Auditorium and they were doing all that stuff he was he was there and so luckily it was I got I lucked out because I didn't have to find it it just found it yeah was a part of me but but you know. on that point like usually your parents music sucks like you know yeah. you, or even if it's cool like your parents i mean i know i have an 11 year old right. he watched turnstile last night and he watched four songs and he was like he's like the drummer is good but it's too loud and i'm like yeah of course <laughs> little, like you're yeah. 11 but so how did you kind of soak the fact that your parents stuff was cool but you also chose it yourself that's interesting cuz I don't really think about it like that. I it's it's so it happens so naturally. And it's literally all I know. So that's kind of like it's just normal. It, I lucked out that that was the one thing that stuck because like other than other than hardcore punk, listening to like reggae and dub and dancehall was like that was a prominent prominent genres in my house, which was also great music that I'm thankful for because that's yeah you know, to this day I'll still listen to all that stuff. But specifically the rock aspect, that's hearing that stuff and hearing like hardcore punk was a it just made me want to play music from early on. Right. I don't know what it was. But it just, yeah, it, it was, I guess, meant to be. Sure. And uh, you were uh, from, a, like you said, drums was your first entry drums. point to musician. Or drums was. playing an instrument. And Des, was yours always guitar? No, it was drums, but we couldn't keep drums in my very small apartment. And I was like, I'm going to rock one way or another. So <laughs> I got a job at 14 years old, like under the table and bought a guitar. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. What were you, under the table, what were you doing? I worked at a, well, I cleaned toilets under a janitor and, like, scraped gum off the floor. Okay. And from under tables at schools during the summer. And hell yeah. And I went from there to working at a, a gym. I, like, cleaned up at a gym, too. Sure. To yeah. hustle to get that yeah. first guitar. Yeah. I love it. And so, and you're, like you said, since you were from a musical household, like, because usually the idea of getting drums to a parent is, like, cool, it's going to be the loudest thing ever. This sucks. Like, yeah. But your parents were totally... They were, my mom was a bit... Well, my parents were separated, so yep. going to my dad's, it was a little easier. And then my mom was a bit like, man, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and it, 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 took, it took a minute until she was like, oh, y'all are doing something. You know? Right. Like, you're serious about it. Yeah. I tried to play guitar, actually, first before I did drums, and then uh, it just didn't work out. Yeah. And, but now... So we but, had the opposite trajectory. <laughs> it started off with guitar, and I was like, man, I can't play guitar. And, but drums, I liked a lot, so... Right, yeah. I can play a little guitar now. Right. So, I mean, yeah. guitars have notes, and that's hard. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing about... That's what, drums have notes, too. They do. They, you have, know? they have ghost notes as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people always... They always bag on drums. They say drummers aren't real musicians. Those are liars and thieves. They are. No, dr- well, drummers get no love. They like, don't. people don't pay attention to them, but you should, because if you're not there, literally nothing else can happen. Yeah, because what the heck? Did everybody see Christine, our drummer? Did you see her? She is a phenomenal... Drummer Incredible. and musician, and so yeah. you can't tell me that a drum, drummers aren't. No, right. You, know, you, that's, that's, you, guys, yeah. you guys are just riding off the coattails. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I'm old, so yeah. <laughs> I know. And Des, I was that, that was something I was going to ask you because I know when you joined the band, like they. I'm not saying you're noticeably older because you look like a very young 27, right? No, I'm just kidding. But that there, there is a, an age difference, and you can offer different perspectives that obviously a younger person may not have, and vice versa. So when you first, I guess, were brought on to join, was that kind of like, yo, am I really playing with these kids? Or what's the, like, how, how did the vibe go? I, oddly enough, that wasn't my attitude because I just watched the Descendants documentary. And their bass player was like 20 years older than them. Totally. When they were like kids when they first started. And I was like, all right, that's tight. Because that's always what this music has done, you know. When I was 15, I was definitely hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with. They were much older and getting into shenanigans and whatnot, you know. But to me, it's just like paying it forward without being like a terrible influence, you know. Yeah. I I had some bad influences in, in punk and hardcore when i was young but it's it's cool to like just offer perspective and be offered perspective and it didn't shock me at all it was like i felt grateful I'm like, yeah cool. no that's true i really like that articulation of the age difference because i know that any of us that have gone to shows and are watching a band and are like oh my god they're so much older than me like i so distinctly remember watching like the get up kids play when i was like 16 and like Matt Pryor's so older. He's three years older than me. And you just feel yeah. so... But, like, once you once you cross a certain age, it's like that... that It doesn't even make a difference. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, when you guys... I mean, obviously, the EP has been out and people have, you know, very much enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's obviously structured very much like a mixtape in regards to the samples. And I know that, obviously, so many people are like, oh, my gosh, you included samples in a hardcore record. It's like, oh. yeah, that's been done for a while. But, yeah. like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so in structuring it like that and kind of putting your own twist on it, was it one of those things where you felt like it was going to surprise people or you felt like you were just kind of going on in a, in a sort of tradition that, you know, other, whether it's hip-hop or punk or hardcore, have done before? The second one, okay. honestly, it, it, it was just mainly uh, wanting to put stuff that I liked, you know, just like anyone else would. I know, you know, not to not to bag on anyone. A lot of people like to portray a like a tough guy, sort of. Yep. You know, in hardcore, that's you know, we know that. But you look tough, though. Let's be clear. Really? No, not at all. <laughs> Brother Satchel, Sister Chris, I see them in the back. Peace. Yeah. Peace. Um. Gosh dang, really? No, I, mean, I don't look tough. The Hello Kitty bag and stuff. No, I mean, like, <laughs> no, no, I, no, no. I trust you. I, I, know, I, I know. You're I'm, the, me. I'm the least toughest person. I, I don't try to portray that. No. So, but what I'm trying to say is, those samples were just a reflection of things that I like truthfully, and I wasn't trying to put up someone uh, like a front or anything like that. Right. But right. the influence of this band, which most people, if they are fans, um, it comes from soul. It comes from jazz. It comes from reggae and funk. It comes from black music, black art, which is yep what hardcore is yeah. what rock yeah. is <laughs> so it's just really a, a dedication of that if, right if anything so that's where those so the sample the sample choice that's really you know right you're just basically continuing the tradition that has yeah. existed but you were just trying to frame it in your own yeah exactly perspective. exactly yeah from my perspective like from the outside in at least for the first project it was like the the lyrics were very vulnerable, and I felt like the samples were vulnerable too, you know? And I right. felt like that was, like, it's, it's more intimate than, like, the standard, oh, I'm just going to choose some oldies or whatnot, like, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just there was a, a little more, 
it was like letting people into to his world a little bit more, you know? Right. Like at a which, deeper level. Which in turn is our world collectively, yeah, yeah. you know? Because I, can, I can't say I speak for every single black individual, no. but I can speak for myself and a lot of people can relate to that. So like a lot of the lyrics with the samples, they have a connection. They correlate, you know what I right, mean? Right, right. Which which and it's so, uh, it takes so long trying to figure out... <laughs> Especially as we did this new record, because, you know, (laughs) it's a lot more songs. So trying to figure out themes that match the lyrics and stuff. I just like to do that because it's fun. Right. It's like a a puzzle that you can put together where it's like how this sample will attach itself to this song in a meaningful way and not just be like, oh, this is funny. We can play this breakbeat here or whatever. Yeah. You don't need that. What I can say is like him and I, because we have a lot of phone conversations about stuff, we're very good at like bouncing ideas off of each other and then kind of like we prompt each other and then we present each other something and it's a lot of times we're spot on or like oh like maybe we should rearrange these things and like you know he'll go and put the masterpiece together you know from like the ideas that have been presented and that's pretty pretty cool to see you know yeah no it's really cool I, I also was really taken by the fact that, you know, you get, rather than just describing yourself as a quote-unquote hardcore band, like the idea of power violence, because, you know, that has traditionally speaking, it, that has run the gamut in regards to representation, you know, in hardcore, where it's like all of the uh, power violence shows, whether it's like Despise You or Infest or whatever, where it's like, even though the band may be made up of, you know, all white people or whatever, the audience that exists there is very diverse, whether it's Hispanic or whatever. And so you guys labeling yourself as power violence, was that just basically specifically speaking to like, oh, yeah, we just play fast hardcore. So, like, you know, how did that kind of modeling go where, <laughs> you know, uh, or was it even thought about? You were just that, like, that, yeah. That's the thing. A lot of people uh, ask me about that yeah. in private. So I will say this outwardly. When I was trying to figure out what genre this band would be, it it definitely wasn't going to be power violence. That was not the case. And I think that was the I think the only reason why it ended up being power violence because I was like, well, I want a heavy band. I don't want to play long songs, and I want it to be shortened to the point. And I was like, what? What does that? And I was like, power violence, I guess. Power violence, yeah. And it was more like, I guess I'll. You know, right? It fits like the song length as opposed to anything else. It was it was really based on the length, and I was like, I want to add samples and like every hardcore band does it, but like power violence bands, you know, or yeah, every like a mixtape of just yeah. like song through song through song samples. You know, and I mean, yeah. So it really wasn't a lot of there wasn't thought out. It was just like eh, this, you know. I right. think I'll just do that. Well, once you put it out there, then it was kind of like, oh, yeah, we're power violence. Yeah. We'll lead into it, it. And then, you know, a lot of people like to say that we aren't, and they're probably right. <laughs> and I don't care. And we don't. No. <laughs> I, don't I don't mind. You know, it's, uh, it is, it has power violence. It's just a label. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if it isn't real power violence. People are too caught up with trying to fit in the box. Yeah. It's true. They, they want to be the... Like, oh, I want to play this genre, and it's yeah. got to sound like this. And it's like, I think at the end of the day, we just try to write some stuff that feels like us. doesn't yeah. really matter. You know, it can, like... Well, especially exactly. now that you guys... I mean, now that you're going to release more music, yeah. there is the ability to define yourselves more appropriately because you're like, yeah, we have more than just an EP. <laughs> like, oh, have, yeah. There's more. Yeah. yeah. I will say this real quickly. Please. Um, it was cool when Weekend Nachos gave the, uh, the seal approval 
Cause they're them like, oh, we are a power violence band. All right, cool. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's say something, haters. Totally. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were. I will say this. Although soul and all that stuff is a big influence, Nachos was a big. If you couldn't tell, was a big influence on the band. So no, that's it. Yeah. And it, is it, I mean, that, that happens with anything where it's like once you get a co-sign from someone who you obviously respect, it's like. Oh, that doesn't matter. You can yeah. call us whatever, but like they call us power violence, so obviously we're power yeah. violence. Yeah, when 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 uh, they said it, and when Sex Prisoner uh, gave the approval from Arizona, yep, I was like, yeah, I liked them too a lot, and so <laughs> say whatever good, you man. want. Yeah, you can call us. You <laughs> call, can call us that. Call us anything. <laughs> but uh, so uh, skateboarding, I know, is obviously an integral part to you know your life. Did you ever skate, Des, as well? I skated for a very long time. Okay, hell yeah. yeah. Um, so skateboarding, I mean, that is intrinsically connected to punk and hardcore, and people get into punk and hardcore because they're skating. How does it play a part in your guys's life now? And then, obviously, how you sort of like try to integrate that within the bands. You know, I actually don't know if skateboarding plays a big part in this band at all. Sure. It's just a, another thing that was a natural part of my life. Same thing, my dad skated, so... <laughs> you're, just, I, yeah, you're just riding off the coattails of your dad. It's I cool. did, I did. Everything I liked was because of that fool. Yeah. But I, I picked up on skateboarding around the same time that I got into the music. I actually had to stop because of an injury. Yeah. A, a non-skate-related injury. I got into a pretty bad car accident. But I, um, it actually, I always say I got worse at skateboarding because I started playing music seriously. Because <laughs> I used to skate all day. Like, it was skate before school, go to school, leave school, do homework, skate. That's all I ever did. Yeah. And then when I finally got a guitar, I was like, I don't want to do anything else. And I just, like, I, I thought I was going to go pro at some point, and a lot of my friends did go pro. And I just started declining, like, the more I played guitar or like worked on production or anything so yeah yeah it's just now i can ride it dude your your music career sounds like your skateboard career that's funny i never wanted to go pro i didn't think i'd ever go pro as a skateboarder i just liked skating yeah which i mean i I think especially too where it once the idea of going pro you know especially in the once skateboarding became mainstream it was like every kid ever it's like oh i played tony hawk pro skater so i want to go pro i want to be yeah. in a video game it's like that's hard i think that was, yeah. that was just everyone for me it was just there was so many it's like long beach is like mecca yeah like there were so many people around me going pro i was like this is a possibility and like yeah. i had oh, friends yeah. like just that were like sponsored at 12 13 years old and i was like okay like i guess i should and they're like you know egging me on to like go harder so i was like all right i'll just actually go as hard as possible you know and see what happens like yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. With the, the the notion, like kind of what you were talking about, where it's obviously you're bringing the you know black aesthetic and perspective. I mean, honestly, the announcement of your most recent West Coast tour in regards to the poster, um, it just looks awesome. Like it fits Thank you. very. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah. And I'm not just saying that to try to blow smoke up your butt, but <laughs> I mean I can. But um, <laughs> so I, I, is it one of those things where it's like you almost feel that like people are buying into the idea of the band and then also proactively get into the music or is it one of those things where it's like they obviously love the music and then kind of get into it i mean either way is obviously fine but you know how do you feel people are approaching you know the uh, i guess overall presentation of the band that's a great question that I think Des should answer first <laughs> and then i'll, I'll Oh damn that's good all right well, for me that's, it's that's a, um so, like, I think 
it's it's a little bit of both. I think yeah. people see the image first of like an all black band playing heavy music, and what I've been told straight up from like friends, because like I'm from the hood, and like people have told me like, yo, straight up, I was too scared to step out of the box like you did, and even though I liked it, I would like listen to this stuff in secret. And now that I see myself represented on the stage in this music, I'm like less uh, weary to go to shows. I'm like more brave about it. Now I'm digging into all these other bands and now I'm checking out not just all black bands, you know, there's stuff they would like stuff here and there, but it's a, it's helping people broaden their horizons and like, you know, dig into it a little bit more and like dig into the history, I think. And then there's the, the opposite where there's like, I think people already like the music and then they see this. We're not necessarily asking for it to be a novelty. It's actually like, yeah, no, no, it's sometimes just, that bums us out. Actually, yeah, right. Well, it, 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 yeah. it's, and that's the thing where it's like, I, I, I feel like, especially with any class of people that's obviously underrepresented within punk and hardcore the tokenization of it whether it's like yo there's a girl singing in a band like it's happening far and far less but still the idea of you know an all black hardcore band where it's just like you know like <laughs> I remember for years I worked at Century Media Records and God forbid who uh, was a band that had four black members and then a white bassist but they always joked around where they were like oh yeah we're true black metal <laughs> but it's just that that idea of like the tokenization of it and you guys obviously are just like this happens to be our aim but don't just like put us in that corner where it's like that's all that we are yeah i couldn't do this again not playing an all-black band i just had a lot of trouble in the past a lot of microaggressions um a lot of not like because i wrote lyrics in bands before and i would say some stuff and they're like this is too intense for the band and I'm like, this is my everyday experience. And they're like, eh, it's just too intense. And I'm like, cool, imagine living. Right. Like, yeah, this is not just lyrics, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like my actual life. But some people couldn't fathom that, you know. So um, I'm glad that this came about because it was, now it's a no-brainer. Like, dude, we don't have to bounce stuff off of each other, like, yeah. to talk about something. We know everyone's going to feel it in the band, at least. Like, Yeah, and at the end of the day... This band was created for black individuals and black uh, individuals only. Everyone else that likes it, obviously, we're thankful for that. But we're mainly speaking to our our people in that in that regard. You know what I mean? You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> and um, yeah, like you said, when people get into the uh, that's the first thing they see. It is. It's weird because it's like, well, yeah, that's what we're talking about. But I don't want to hear it from you that. That's what you're catching. I would like to hear about the music or like anything else because in interviews, when you know, anytime people are like, that's the first thing they want to talk about. They the want to talk literal, about. They want to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. They want to talk about them. Like, well, like, what's it like to be a Negro playing hard music? <laughs> like that's that's basically right. like that, and that's I, I'm sure it's one of those things where it's just like you you can't sit there and just be like wow, we're going to do this again? Like, it, you, you have to obviously address the question, but then move past it where it's just like, can we not talk about this for the four of the time? I've been shutting it down. Yeah, we shut it, we shut it down. That's we're good. Like, we're like, let's talk about the music, not what we look like while playing the music. Yeah. Like, Yo, you got dreads, dog. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah, my gosh. We're doing this? Yeah. Have you ever heard you, of Bad Brains? Because you would never say that to an all-white band. You'd never no. say that to anyone else. Right. You just wouldn't. Right. You know? So what, you know, 
it's it's like a weird like half and half where we're like, well, while we're saying while we have a message and we're saying something, we're also trying to break the barrier of whatever you think, you know, that that totally. weird. I'm trying to put into words, but you know what I mean? I think everyone knows what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, it's working towards normalizing something that should be normalized. Like we, every single one of us and any like darker skinned person in hardcore has felt some sort of prejudice before. And I think the goal for us is like, yeah, we're talking about our experience, but the goal is to kick that door down so that you don't feel weird. And it's not just us. There's many, this, it's a movement. That's why we have that tour coming up. The Dark Side of the Moon 2 tour, it's a, it's a movement of like, look, there's an array of people doing this thing and blackness is a spectrum and like not putting people in boxes and, you know, being comfortable, like not tokenizing or singling out a darker skinned person in your, in your space, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that's important. It's and, br- yeah. and, and creating our own space. Right. Because no one else would and, right, you know, right. Inc- include us in their space right because it which it, is crazy it, right it hasn't it hasn't it. occurred to anybody until someone brings it up where it's like oh hey this is this is the thing you need to pay attention to you need to reckon with this because this is not only important to keep the evolution of hardcore moving forward to where it doesn't just look like normal society mm-hmm. because we know that that's a garbage fire mm-hmm. so and obviously punk and hardcore is a microcosm of it but you want to be able to like you said claim your own space which yeah. is great so, and you've known me for a long time. You yes. know that's what I have done and what I Always. Can continue to do. I've, I've let people be in my house by the hundreds for years. You know, yeah. so like y'all may not know this, but and I don't, I don't want to put Des on blast, but there's a lot of internet videos of legendary shows in uh, was it in Garden Grove, Garden California, Grove, California, yeah, that you may not even know <laughs> was at his house, but it was at his house. There's the you know the infamous oh, yeah. trash talk set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Infamous, two, where people were in the two, Raptors. Touche, everyone. Death Evan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone Hannah. knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone of knows course. That. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing where it's like, I think people that participate in the scene, regardless of your background, just the, um, not only the enthusiasm, but when you are building those spaces where it's just like, yeah, come into my room, <laughs> come into my living room and play some shows, mm-hmm. that not only legitimizes you as a human, but also legitimizes you as being like, I am an active participant of this. I love this. And right. this is why I'm doing this. Right. And it's not just because of reasons A, B, and C of my background or whatever. It's like, I've arrived here because I care about this deeply, which yes, is cool. I, yeah. It's never, I've had to fight every, like, because I'm like, okay, when I was a kid, I'm like, hey, church, can I do shows? And they're like, yes. And then they're looking around like, you a-hole. And then I'm like, hey, mom, can I do this there? Oh, okay. Hey, roommates, can I do this? None of my roommates liked punk or hardcore. And twice a week for like two years, there were yeah. two to three hundred kids in their living room. Right. And they're just like, man, you're lucky we love you because this sucks. Right. <laughs> like, this sucks. And I just, it was convincing and like being like, all right, well, here, you take this little bit of money and, right. you know, and like me breaking off the bands. I'm thankful for them. It wouldn't have existed without the bands, you know, but it was a lot of like, I've always tried to do that. I think we keep that same spirit of just like let's if it doesn't exist, let's build it. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, for exactly. sure. I mean That's... that that runs through the band. It's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, the uh, last thing I want to hit on was the um, the fact that you know there there are business implications within the band now. You know, like you have to obviously make decisions on oh we got to work with record label, booking agent, yeah. and like things that as a one man project when you're messing around in your bedroom you didn't have to consider. How are you guys accessing the kind of business side of things? Like, is it something you're comfortable with or you're just kind of like, well, we know we have to do this in order to kind of keep the band moving? 
it was something where I was like, well, the bigger the band gets, the more traction gets. We do have to, like any band has to make that decision at one point or another. Right. And it, it is a lot to take on. Sure. It's a lot, but it, you know. It's a lot to, you, yeah. you learn new things at new levels exactly. or like, didn't know this was a business aspect you had to <laughs> think about, you know? But I think we both have like a pretty decent business sense and we've played music for a long time. I mean, I have other businesses like outside of the band that do pretty okay. So I try to apply all that stuff to the band. It's a little harder because it's also art and, you know, you have to think about all the emotion that goes into it. But I think we're doing pretty okay. <laughs> Flatspot's pretty helpful. Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, They're helping you manage that, which, I mean, ultimately, if you're yeah. working with people, you trust then that is the most important thing mm-hmm. yeah they're great people over at flat yeah. spot honestly and well we did it thank you very much gentlemen give it up for des and Anaya. Yeah. thank you so much everybody thank you thank you really appreciate y'all yeah there we go that was another great live episode from outbreak fest over in the uk I did, I just was, again, I've mentioned this in previous uh, episodes, I was just so nervous that this would go well, people would have a good experience, not only you as the ultimate listener, but the people at the show, the people that I interviewed, all that stuff, and I could not be more proud of the fact that it all went amazingly well. So, And I think these two conversations were very illustrative of that. So thank you to everybody who pulled that together. Thank you to Kat, Anaya, and Dez. And also thank you to Simone, who ran sound for this beautiful, beautiful stage. I loved the experience, and uh, I can't wait to go back next year. Next week, we have a great chat, speaking of the United Kingdom, with Georgia Rawson from Discovered Magazine. Those of you that are in the know with the, uh, the print media and have been paying attention to zine culture in general will be very familiar with Discovered Magazine because they have been all over the scene over the past, I mean, first of all, 10 years. They've existed for 10 years, which is incredible, but they've rose to prominence, especially in the past like three to five, covering a lot of awesome punk, hardcore, and independent-minded artists. I feel a real kinship to this magazine, and I think what they're doing is very important. So I had Georgia Rawson, the editor of the magazine, on the show. And that's happening next week. So until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.